Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So before we jump into today's subjects, I'm going to go to a quick disclaimer, and then I'm going to come back, and then we're going to unpack everything um, that we're going to discuss on today's show. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. Uh, again, my name is Rachel Meiselman. I am your host. I am always your host, unless it's uh, said otherwise. And uh, yes, you're listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. So I said after that quick disclaimer, we'd come back and we would just unpack, uh, discuss the different topics of today's show. So that's what I'd like to do. I've been talking about the Massachusetts Republican Party for quite some time. I, I, it's almost like I, uh, have adopted the creation of a two-party system, uh, as a mission, as a personal mission. Uh, understand me well, I don't pretend that I alone, uh, can do that. Of course not. But I want to do everything that I can to, bring rise to that that type of that that type of system because as I continue to to repeat uh, I'll never get tired of stressing we, we need different voices we're not going anywhere and Boston in particular is is quite frankly a mess it really is People are talking about how Michelle Wu is going to destroy Boston. And for those of you who are less familiar, who are listening, who are less familiar with Boston politics, Michelle Wu, of course, um, to those who do know or who are familiar with Boston politics, she is the mayor of, of the city. And I... I love listening to these people. <laughs> I, I I enjoy watching what they post online, on Facebook, on Twitter. They make me laugh. Michelle Wu's going to destroy the city. No, they're going to destroy the city. And you know why? Because they can't get out and vote. They can't get out and vote. So all these people who don't like Michelle, where were you? Why didn't you say something? I mean, it was pretty much an open secret that Michelle was going to eventually run for mayor. And the precise election cycle in which she planned to throw her hat into the mayoral ring, that wasn't exactly a secret either. And yet people didn't have much to say about her. They really didn't. No one was really talking about her record, such that it was. And they really stayed pretty much quiet when the same people who were pushing for Michelle said that it was time that Boston had a mayor of color, a female mayor of color. Didn't have anything to say then either. But Michelle throws her hat into the ring, as I said. She gets elected. And now all of a sudden, everyone has something to say. Michelle was on the city council for several terms. No one ever held her accountable. 
Now, I'll say this to Michelle's credit. Unlike people like Boston City Councilor Kendra Lara, unlike Boston City Councilor Julia Mejia, unlike Boston City Councilor Erin Murphy, unlike Boston City Councilor Tanya Fernandez-Anderson, Michelle Wu was not blocking her critics, to my knowledge. She didn't block me, and I certainly was not shy about being critical. And some people might say that I was actually harsh on occasion. I, of course, never crossed any lines, and I never made it personal. But I certainly wasn't timid in expressing my disapproval. And guess what? Michelle and I still had a decent relationship. I mean, maybe relationship is too big of a word, but we could chat and have a conversation, uh, say hello to each other. And and I'd like to think that we still can. I saw her at an event uh, a few months ago, and it was back in the fall of, uh, yeah, just last year, so uh, 2022. And... You know, we, it was just a brief hi, goodbye, but it was it was pleasant. It was pleasant. I was happy enough to see her, and she was happy enough to see me. But, but my point in, in saying all this is that I pointed out what I didn't like. I didn't say anything that was insulting. I didn't say anything that, quite frankly, was gratuitous, you know, just quite simply didn't need to be said. I I criticized what I didn't like, and I said very clearly why I didn't like it. And I think more importantly, I try to juxtapose that with something that I thought, uh, that is a solution, that I thought was more reasonable, was more of a pragmatic, a, a better fit Uh, for Boston, um, I started to say pragmatic. Um, I think that in general, I think that Boston is is very much a pragmatic city. I've said this before that I'm very much a product of my environment. And I think that Boston works best when the people who are making the decisions present a, a face that's just no frills, hard work ethic, strong work ethic, and, and yes, very pragmatic. And we just, we don't have that anymore. We really don't. I mean, we do have it in the person of, of some of the counselors, but too many of the counselors are very quick to jump in front of the mics. They like the spotlight. They like giving shout-outs to this elected official and that elected official to show uh just how many people that they know uh, to, to show that they, too, are po- part of the politerati, but, but they, don't, <laughs> they don't ever really uh, deliver. And, and I'll, I'll get more into that in just a bit, but I don't want my point to be lost, and that is people didn't really have anything to say about Michelle. She gets elected, all hell breaks loose. Now, to be sure, Michelle put her foot in it. She did some things that she shouldn't have done. That vaccine passport was a spectacularly bad idea. The agreement that she had with unions uh, in regard to getting the vaccination, the fact that she cast that aside that was really, really bad on so many different levels. Uh, I think, firstly, you know, if I look at it from a purely political, cold, through a, you know, with a cold eye, I would say that it, it was just bad, really bad, horrible, lousy PR. But for, from, uh, you know, looking at the situation through a more humane lens, it's just you don't disrespect people like that. You don't you don't 
take an agreement that was made in good faith and then spit on it. And that's what she did. That's what she did. You don't disregard the agreements that unions broker because if you do that, you're undermining the unions. And one of the great strengths of unions, of any union, is its ability to make another entity or a politician or politicians come to the table and agree to a situation that is going to improve the quality of life or improve a situation for the members of that union. Now, in this case, it was several unions, but the point is, is you don't undermine one of the key strengths of a union. So it, it was certainly, it was, it was more than a misstep, actually. It was just, it was, it was, it, it was a spectacularly bad move that made Michelle look callous. And I don't agree with Michelle on a great number of things, but I don't think ultimately she's without a heart. I don't. I do think she has the ability to empathize, and not everyone does. Not everyone who holds public office does. And I know that that's saying a lot, but really, we have some people in office, and they really have no business there. And it's just, it's it's really, <laughs> it's really something. But I don't think Michelle lacks the ability to either try to put herself in the shoes of another person or the desire to do it. But attacking unions, because that's what you're doing when you spit on the agreements or the agreement or an agreement that is made by a union or several unions and, and then and then to to expect unions to support you or to show up at rallies and smile and take pictures with leadership, I, you know, I, I, even though some time has passed uh, since uh, those debacles, I, I would still be a little bit cheapish, <laughs> you know, if I were her. I, I wouldn't be so quick to pose with union leaders, but that, that's, that's me. <laughs> that's me. But to talk more about Michelle, I think that, and, and I'll be frank, some of the resistance to Michelle is, I, and I do agree with Boston City Council President Ed, Edward Flynn, Ed Flynn, I've said this before, uh, I do think some of it is down to her race, her gender. And that's tremendously unfortunate. And that's absolutely wholly unacceptable. Racism, uh, you know, uh, racism, misogyny, bigotry of any kind is, is, is absolutely unacceptable. What makes saying that particularly hard for me is that It's not that Michelle should not be held accountable. And it's not that some of these, quite frankly, vile people who have been attacking her at every turn, it's not that at different points they did not have a point. But what's driving some of them is an animus. And that immediately devalues any val validity, uh, any valid point that they're trying to make. The, the, the validity of any argument they're trying to put forth. 
So it's just, it's really, it's really, really sad. It's, it's, it's tremendously sad. So, I, and I, and I, and I want to make this clear. I, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's not difficult for me to admit that there's racism and misogyny involved uh, in some of the activity against Michelle Wu. The, what I mean is, is that, and I always have to <laughs> explain everything I say because because of my political positions, there's always someone who's ready to to misinterpret what I'm trying to say uh, and and hear what I've never even implied. I have no problem admitting that there's racial animus, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the issue is that I do think that there is plenty of room to criticize Michelle and that, unfortunately, the people who are making the most noise, just in general, the ones generally get, who get the most attention, and in this, and then in this particular instance, it's no different. And so, rather than look at where Michelle has misstepped or or where she has made, quite frankly, a mess of something, it, it, the focus is on the bigotry of of some people. So, so that's 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 obviously a problem. But to really even get more to the point, you know, these people who couldn't say anything about Michelle Wu before, not until she got elected, what are they going to do moving forward? I mean, if I didn't know better, I'd say a lot of them really, quite frankly, enjoy being angry, being outraged. And the best part is that a lot of them are anonymous. Like me, don't like me. At this point in my life, I it, it's it's kind of cool actually. I'm getting to the point where I care less and less, uh, particularly if I don't like the person who doesn't like me or who has an issue with me. But my point is, is that if I say something, I stand by it. I put my name on it. People know that I, you know, know that it's I who said it. And, and, and this, this is, this is big. This is, this is, this is a big, big thing to say. I'm like so many of these people who have enough mouth for I don't know how many sets of lips. What I say online is what I'll say to a person. So let me give you an example, a concrete example. I have been critical of Julia Mejia. And I've known Julia for a while. We met about almost 10 years ago. So we've known each other quite some time. And it was funny because I remember when she was first running for the city council. And it was Mother's Day that I saw her. And she was out there collecting signatures. And it was in a part of Boston that we call South Bay. It was South, South Bay Mall. And she was in a stop and shop. And it was about 8.30, quarter of nine at night. And again, it was Mother's Day. I remember that very distinctly. And I came, I was coming out of, you know, the store. I finished making my purchase uh, purchases, and I was with uh, a cousin of mine. And Julia came right up to me, and she said, I'm running for city council, and I need a signature to get on the ballot. And she approached me as if she didn't know who I was. And she didn't do that. It wasn't, you know, because a lot of these politicians, they'll, they'll play that. They'll play at that. 
or these activists, oh, and you are, and who are you again? You know, cut the baloney. You know? <laughs> I mean, like, let me just say that if anyone in Boston does that to you, you can almost be guaranteed that they know who you are, or they have, or at the very least, they have some kind of inkling of who you are. They know your name, they know your face. So don't, <laughs> don't, 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 you know, don't let yourself be drawn into it. Don't, don't fall for it. Don't tolerate it. You know, just laugh at the person uh, and walk away. Uh, if you feel inclined to say something, do so, then laugh, then walk away. Julia actually did that because. Uh, Julia knows my uh, <laughs> political leanings, and she wasn't sure if I would want to sign for her. And so what I said was, I know who you are. Give me that paper. And I signed for her. And I don't regret it. I am very dissatisfied with her now. I, I very much dislike the crusade that she's engaged in against the police. And I, I can talk about that uh, at some other point, uh, maybe on today's show, if not uh, on, uh, on a, a subsequent show. But I don't regret giving Julia a chance to make her argument before the people. Just like I don't want everyone to be on the political left. I don't think everyone should be on the political right. So let's say the landscape was flipped and it was very, very red. I would actually advocate, I really would, for a stronger Democratic Party as a Republican. Why? Because it would be a way to hold me and fellow Republicans responsible. So the electeds and then, you know, the activists, right? It's, it's, very, it's very, very important that there's accountability. There's very, it's very, very important that there's transparency. Because if you don't have that, you have big problems. Serious, serious, serious problems. And that's why Boston right now is in a whole heap of trouble because we don't have that accountability and we don't have that transparency at all. So, you know, getting back to Julia, I signed for her. I'm glad I did because it gave her an opportunity to make her argument before the people, including me. But as a city councilor, I think that she has been more of an activist. And I understand that that, if you're an elected official, I think that at community level, um, a municipal level, I mean, I think that there is room for activism. In fact, I think... There's room for activism, and I have to be very careful here at what I'm about to say. I think that there is some room for it, but I think that particularly like for executive branch, no. For the judicial branch, heck no. But for the legislative bodies on the different levels of government, I do think that there's some room. But at the end of the day, it has to take a back seat to what are the functions of the office. And an elected official that holds a seat within a legislative body has to represent to the best of his or her ability Every single one of his constituents. And that means that he or she always needs to have his or her ears open and ready to listen and ready to sit down and hear what might be palatable to his ears, but then again, something that might not at all be palatable, right? That's part of it. 
And I think Julia, I think that her, the, the, the amount of activism that she engages in, I think that really pretty much is the entirety of her efforts. And so I have a problem with that. You want to be a full-time activist, step down from the Boston City Council, get a job. I'm sure she could get one at this point because, you know, she's, you know, she's part of the system, part of the machine. You know, someone would set her up. She, she could get a nice, comfortable position somewhere. And she could be an activist. She could cash checks for being a full-time activist. What she is is a full-time public servant. So she needs to represent, as I said, everybody, all her constituents. She's not doing that. And so I actually went to her office, and I told her then chief of staff, and and I was very, (laughs) what I'm about to say, people are going to be like, what, you said that? (laughs) But it was actually, it was a conversation that went really well. I was very nice about it, as as much as you can be saying something like this. But I told I told her chief, then chief of staff, um, because, you know, since there's there has been a change, I said that Julia doesn't do enough for white people, that her focus is is exclusively on the black and brown communities, and that's wrong. Not because black and brown communities don't deserve attention. Of course not. And and it's sad that I have to say that, but because I have an R after my name, I do. Because I'm a Republican, I do have to say that. Uh, it's, it's, it's wrong because not all her constituents are black and brown. And let me make something else clear. If she had only one white constituent, that one white constituent would deserve as much of her respect and attention and energy as any of her other constituents. So I hope people see this point and take away that I have a very clear idea about what a public servant should be, regardless of the branch, um, regardless of the the level uh, of government. But, But here I'm talking about the Boston City Council. I, not too long ago, I spoke with a member of Erin Murphy's staff, and I told the individual that I was not at all happy with what I saw coming from uh, the counselor, and I was very clear. I, I, I don't think that dots are being connected, and I think that when there are things that I agree with, initiatives or activity that I think is positive for the city of Boston that comes from the office of Councilor Erin Murphy. The problem is, is that it's really, she talks about it in a way that it's, well, okay, this is low-hanging fruit. Like, if you're going to talk about this particular topic, if you're going to make as if you're trying to do something about this particular topic than saying or purporting to do this would be what people would expect as the bare minimum. And then I don't see a follow-up. You know, and I was I was very I was very candid. I was very blunt. But I didn't insult the council. Just like I didn't insult uh, Councilor Mejia, I didn't insult Councilor Murphy, and I didn't want either staffer, either Julia's staffer or Erin's staffer to walk away feeling that I had gone in there all guns blazing and that I was, uh, that my uh, presence was meant to be intimidating or that I set out to be disrespectful. I, I didn't want any of that. So my, my point is, Again, to tie all of this together, I didn't just have a problem with Michelle once she became mayor. I was paying attention to what she did on the council as a Boston City Councilor at large. And I got out and voted. Don't tell me all these people who are 
castigating her now. Don't tell me that they were paying attention to what she was doing while she was an at-large counselor. Don't tell me that all of them got out to vote. Because I know they didn't. And so does that mean that they lose the right to say anything? Well, of course, I know that there's that saying, what is it? You know, if, if you don't vote, don't complain. And, and I agree with that to a considerable extent. But of course, freedom of speech, right? But my thing is, is if they haven't done anything thus far, what are, what are they going, what, are, what do they plan on doing? What do they plan on doing moving forward? Because it's a never-ending cycle of being upset and outraged, and it's just, it's, it, this isn't an Olympic sport. You know, you, you've, you've got to do your part. You've got to pay attention to what elected officials are doing. It's critical. You can't give people who are supposed to be your voices in government, you can't give them carte blanche to do whatever it is that they want to do. And then expect to be taken seriously when you complain. I can give another example. Here I won't give names, but there's a woman and she is a community activist. Okay. So she's been around for a bit and she's very well known in the neighborhood, the beautiful neighborhood of East Boston. Now, all of Boston's gorgeous, but I am so in love with water I'm infatu- infatuated with water. Uh, if if mermaids actually exist, I think in another life that's what I was. Uh, or maybe I was some kind of sea animal. I, I, I don't know, um, but I love the water. And I love being around the water. I find it very calming, very therapeutic. And I just, I, I just, I think it's just beautiful. You know, the water, the views, the sound. I just, I love the water, being around the water. And so East Boston, I think, uh, in, in a number of ways, is, is quite magical. And that's that. <laughs> but this particular individual, uh, who's, you know, very well known for her activism, she's not so magical <laughs> at all. So she's, she's very active. Uh, she's very vocal about the politicians whom she supports. More recently, she was up in arms about development. And some of you who might be listening, oh, I know who you're talking about. You probably don't. Or if you do, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to talk about this individual in such a way that you won't be sure. <laughs> so, it, because the the point isn't, to hang someone out there. The point is to focus on the behavior of that individual. And, you know, this this is someone who is very politically active, very politically aware. I'm pretty sure if she phoned this politician or that politician, not necessarily all politicians, but I'm sure there are a number of them that if she called, she would get a call back. Okay, so she's very politically active. Very up in arms, though, recently about development. And so I said, well, why don't you reach out to some of those politicians? Where are they, where, where are they at? So she got upset. And, you know, she really, you know, her response was really along the lines of, well, what does that have to do with anything? And my political, my politics, you don't know what they are, and that's my business. And and it's like, well, you make your political choices public. So at the end of the day, it is your business. But, I mean, you also make it available for public consumption. So there's that. And also... There's no way you can talk about development and leave politi- the politicians out of it. You can't because they're the ones, you know, who are, are 
you know, yay or nay. And that's that's really what it comes down to. And particularly, you know, the executive branch. So I think that the city council can certainly use uh, what the what I consider uh, their considerable bully pulpit to draw attention to a particular development to maybe halt it, to raise critical questions about it. Uh, You know, there are a number of things that they can do. But, you know, a lot of it comes from the mayor's office. I mean, that's really where it comes from at the end of the day. And this particular individual did support Mayor Wu very strongly, uh, Michelle, when she was running. So it's... Again, I don't know what is worse. People who are not plugged in, who don't pay attention until they absolutely have to, until like something blows up in their face, faces, or people who want to be among that crowd that can place calls to politicians and then get calls back, but then they're not going to hold those politicians uh, uh Accountable, which is probably why they get the calls back, because if it were people who held uh, the politicians accountable, they probably wouldn't get as many calls back. Okay, Um, but, you know, all these different people, they they. They contribute. To the mess, they have contributed to the mess that is now Boston now. To an outside observer, to someone who's less plugged in, Boston, the problems, the very, very serious problems that are plaguing Boston are not as visible to the eye. They're not, they don't necessarily jump right out at you, but they're there. And so, of course, people need to be aware. Of course, they need to you know, follow what people are doing. I mean, they don't have to know everything, but my goodness gracious, they have to ask questions. They have to have uh, somewhat of an idea about the positions of their different elected officials. You know, we're living in an era and a climate where, and Boston's really kind of unique in this, it's re- and it's sad because it runs counter to everything that Boston is. I mean, Boston's a city, you know, it's it's gritty and it's it's serious and it's no frills. And the people here, you know, when we're talking about elected officials and our and our academics and and just so many people in other areas, you know, really whatever industry, you know, we're talking about people who carry themselves with a certain amount of gravitas. So when we look at some of what is is inhabiting Boston City Hall, it's embarrassing. You know, we, we get the endless stream of, of selfies and we get the hashtags and we get the TikTok videos. We get the outfits. We get the sass. We get the this. We get the that. But we don't get insight. We don't hear it. And we don't get solutions. And it's the point is to, you know, further pull this all together, to, to keep this all kind of tied together. Uh, you know, show that the dots are being connected. It's not Michelle Wu that's destroying the city. It's the people themselves. If you don't get out and vote, if you don't hold people accountable, you know, it's, it's, I'm sorry. (laughs) Who's to blame? You know, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. And so I think that we do need a Republican voice. I think, I think we do need some pragmatism, and and not that you know some Democrats aren't very pragmatic. I mean, we we actually have some wonderful Democratic politicians in Massachusetts. Um, having said that, 
we we definitely need a Republican voice, and we need it everywhere. It's and like I said, I you know I'll never get tired of stressing this. It's we need that that balance. And I think part of the reason, what am I saying, part, the entirety of the reason why we don't, well, there there's several reasons. There are too many Republicans who are invested in keeping the party small. If it's small, they can be big fish in little pond. If the party remains small, then, you know, they don't have to do as much. And just the fact that they're there and they're present and their mouth is cavernous, <laughs> that that's all they have to do. I mean, the bar doesn't have to be raised too terribly high. And that's incredibly selfish, and I've said that before. That's monstrously selfish. But I think also, I think Republicans to a large extent have uh, internalized, excuse me, internalized what a very vocal faction of the Democratic Party has said about Republicans, that we don't care about the working man, that we don't care about uh, the working man, uh, you know, the common man, the working man, that we only care about white people, that we only care about wealthy white people, that we all, you know, and so on and so forth. And and the fact of the matter is, that, you know, anyone who really just sits down and thinks knows that there are decent Democrats, just like they're decent Republicans. But the difference will come in and common ground can certainly be found, but the difference is going to be found in how the individual will then go about finding a solution. Where he thinks the solution can be found. And 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 the way in which he prioritizes The what word do I want to use? The 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 tasks that must be done, the hurdles that must be overcome to to get to a goal, a particular goal, to achieve a goal. And so that's the difference. That's the difference. But for too long, Republicans have allowed themselves to be dictated to. You're not going to dictate to me what I care about, what's important to me. Republicans for for climate, the Repu- Republicans for the environment. Why do we need to have groups like that? I would hope and think that everyone cares about the environment, that everyone wants clean air and water, that people want, and, and I'll 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 extend the, the the definition of environment. You know the buildings, the state of the buildings, the infrastructure. We can you know I think we can shoehorn it under here if if we think about environment in so far as uh, the the setting of different communities. I mean, who who are a vocal group of people to tell everyone else what matters to different groups? I mean, that that's 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 talk about entitlement. Yeah, like I said, you're not going to tell me. But unfortunately, there are too many Republicans in this state, and maybe even I would say around the country, that have allowed this loud group on the political left to tell them what they care about. And that's wrong. Republicans need to do a better job of defining who and what they are and what they stand for. And it's certainly, and and I can't stress this enough, 
it's not it's not your personal beliefs. I mean, your personal beliefs might mesh, or, or well, more likely than not, do mesh. You know, do uh, intersect, uh, or maybe they're intertwined with the core values of uh, the Republican Party. But you know, a lot of people have extended the core values of the party to include what they themselves as individuals believe in. And that's that's wrong. That's wrong. It's limited government, personal freedom, and personal accountability. Those those are those are among the big pillars upon which the grand old party rests. And I think that, and I'm convinced actually that there are a lot of people that would actually be very open to a lot of ideas that the Republican Party has, but we have to be present. We can't make in front of people, deride people, oh, your show's stupid, oh, the Democrats are so stupid. They only vote, oh, the people of Massachusetts, they only vote for for people with Dems, you know, Ds after their name. My gosh, how stupid can you be? Well, that doesn't make any, none of that, none of that makes any sense. Because when I go to vote, unless it's uh, every four years, and then we have, Elections for the constitutional offices, governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, uh, auditor, attorney general, or if we're talking about uh, municipal races, so it could be the mayoral race and the Boston City Council races uh, or the city council races, I don't have someone to vote for. And, and what I mean by saying I don't have someone to vote for, I don't mean that the choices aren't very good. I mean, I literally don't have anyone to vote for. And so the same people who, same Republicans who are going to laugh at people around here for being so stupid that they'll vote for a Democrat no matter what, they don't do anything to, they, they will not do anything. Well, they don't do anything to change that. Uh, So in other words, they don't do anything to recruit a Republican to run. And if a Republican does stand up, you know, if the Republican is serious, the Republican more likely than not, hopefully that'll change. Um, But at least in my experience, you know, the Republican doesn't have much support. I've seen it. I've experienced it firsthand. Everything that I talked about when I ran for office, it's it's been it's been co-opted by Democrats across the political spectrum. Everything I said about Methadone Mile, I was the first person to talk about human trafficking down there. I was the first person to say that Charlie Baker, the governor, needed to get involved. I was the first person to talk about the entirety of the ecosystem down there. So not just the addicts, but also the schools, but also the businesses, also the residents. It's You can't just focus on the addicts. You can't. You really can't. Because the addict... And what he or she does, it's not isolated. It's it, it, he, he or she doesn't live, or the addicts don't live. It's, it's not what they do. What they do is not in a vacuum. There are consequences for others. I was the first person to publicly say what was being said behind private doors, and that is other municipalities need to step up. And here's where I got to give a shout out to Senator Jamie Eldridge, because he is awesome. And this is where I also give a shout out to Senator Nick Collins, who is awesome. Uh, Senator Nick Collins is a Boston kid. He went to Boston Latin School. He's really smart. And he's what you would expect from a Boston politician. Smart, 
hardworking, no frills, no nonsense, and he gets the job done. And so he is really, and he doesn't get nearly enough credit. He has really been a, a very important, critical voice in 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 the fight against drugs and 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 drugs overrunning the city and he of course uh you know and if he's been a critical voice in that respect then necessarily he's had a lot to say about methadone mile and i feel like a lot of other elected officials are kind of only just catching up to nick collins just now like i don't know how many years after the fact and so just you know, he's he's from Southie, South Boston, neighborhood of Boston, and he just, he does great work. Uh, so he represents uh, South Boston, uh, all of South Boston. He represents parts of Dorchester, a little bit of Hyde Park, uh, some of Mattapan, and it's the first Suffolk district. And then you have Senator Jamie Eldridge, and he's out in Acton, Massachusetts. So that's actually uh, pretty far out. The reason why I'm giving Jamie uh, a big shout out is because Jamie is very unique in that he is interested in other districts beside besides his own because he understands that when he goes to advocate for his constituents, he's running up against the needs and concerns of the constituents and uh, other districts. So he really tries to understand what's going on. And unlike so many politicians, even right here in Boston, Jamie came out with Nick Collins and they went around Methadone Miles. So big shout out to both of them. But we got to get ready to wrap up. But the point is, you always got to stay awake. You always got to stay alert and pay attention to what your elected officials are doing. And, you know, creating sock puppets, anonymous accounts... <laughs> on on social media and and you know going off on these tangents and these you know these tirades rants that ain't it. So I'll talk more about this next week. But I think really, as I'm always going to say, the best antidote to what's going on in Boston now is more transparency, and we can get that with a two party system with more of a plurality of voices. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to hanging out with you next week. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass. 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, Call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.